Welcome to the Joplin and Andrea podcast, where we discuss all things faith, family, and fun. I'm Andrea, here with my co-host and husband, Joplin. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, everybody. We've got an interesting show for you. If you're watching, you can tell we've got a couple of empty seats between us. That's because we have some special guests on our show here in a few minutes. Today, we're going to be taking some time to answer two questions that have come in over the last a couple of weeks that I think are related. Interesting question about the death of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts mm-hmm. chapter 5. Why would God in a New Testament setting uh, bring somebody to a sudden death like he did Ananias and Sapphira? And then there was another question that had come in from a completely different listener concerning the sin that leads to death that is mentioned in the book of First John chapter 5. So I'm going to be tackling those questions today. Uh, We're also going to take a look back at the summer as it comes to a close and we start the new year of school. We're going to take a look back at what has probably been the craziest summer in American history and share our recap, our thoughts on the summer. And then we're going to finish with a couple of fun topics. We're going to talk about uh, anesthesia and the effects of anesthesia. And, um, And then we're going to talk about cheerleading. And these chairs right here are for some cheerleaders. That's right. And I already feel like the deck is stacked against me. The question is, is cheerleading a sport? Very specifically, that's what we're going to be talking about. And um, yeah, a little nervous about that conversation (laughs) because I don't think it is. But uh, we're going to be talking with a couple of cheerleaders from the Derby High School cheerleading squad, and we're going to get their opinion on the matter, and we will come to a conclusion before this podcast is over on whether or not cheerleading (laughs) is a sport. But we're going to get started first with our question. Uh, Andrea, you want to take a look at those questions and uh, let us know um, exactly what was asked? Yes, I do. All right. As you know, we take questions on the show, and Joplin answers questions from our listeners. And so today, we are actually going to go ahead and answer two questions, um, one that kind of helps lead into the other. So to start off, question number one is, why did God kill Ananias and Sapphira? Question number two is, 1 John chapter 5 speaks about the sin that leads to death. What is that, and why are we told not to pray about it? All right. All right, Joplin, let's hear your thoughts. Well, let's get started. So first of all, Ananias and Sapphira, you'll find the story in Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Um, and what they had done was they had come in, they had sold a piece of property. Uh, they didn't have to sell it. They didn't have to donate anything to the church for that matter. But um, they had sold a piece of property, and they uh, kept a portion of the proceeds back to themselves, which they certainly could have. But they lied about it. Mm. They came to the church, uh, laid the money uh, at the, um, you know, gave the money, if you will, to the apostles and told the apostles that, you know, we sold all of our property and gave 100% of it to the church. And um, God struck them both dead in that moment. And the question is, why did God strike them dead? The first question that many people ask is, why would God do that in a New Testament setting um, after the cross? And the answer to that is real simple. God has never changed. There is not an Old Testament God and a New Testament God. Anybody who's told you that is someone that simply doesn't know the scriptures. The scriptures themselves teach us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. And so uh, the same God that you read of in the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. 
Next, why would something like this happen in the New Testament? Why would something like this happen? Why would God strike them dead for what took place here? Well, the scriptures are fairly limited in um, giving us the motive here behind why God did what he did. So I want to be careful to not um, overstate with absolute certainty why. But I want you to look at something very important here. The These people were ultimately wanting the praise of the church. This is why they lied about what they gave. They wanted the church to think they had did something far more superior, far more worthy, far more um, honorable than what they had actually done. Now, when you think about that, that only leads us to believe that they wanted the praise of the church. And God alone is to be praised and to intentionally try to steal away the praise of God's people and heap it upon ourselves is a far more gross and wicked thing than not giving as much as maybe you should have given. It wasn't about the amount that they had given. It was about the fact they had lied about it in a hope and in an attempt to get the church to think you know, really highly of them on false pretenses. Now, one of the things that we learn here is that God is serious about he alone being the only one that the church worships. He is serious about nobody ever trying to steal the glory and praise that only he deserves. And that there is no room at all in the church, the New Testament church as well, there's no room at all for this kind of showboating and trying to get, you know, make people think something of us that we're not. And um, as God was establishing the church, this is very early in the stages of the church, Acts chapter 5, I think it was incredibly necessary, apparently, that God um, put down some strong parameters that this is not a joke people. The church is real. And I am God. And what Jesus died for was for true followers. And there is zero room in God's true church for this kind of showboating, this kind of trying to win the praise of men. And God immediately dealt with it swiftly. And it tells us that fear fell upon the rest of the church. And I think that's a good thing. We've talked recently about the need for a healthy fear. So that's what's happening in Acts chapter 5. It's my opinion that the great sin that took place here that called for immediate and swift punishment from God was that these people who knew better were yet trying to deceive God's people in such a way that they would be received, they would be getting praise and honor of men that really belonged to God in the first place and they were doing it through very deceptive means. Uh, so lesson here, don't ever try to steal God's glory. Don't ever try to steal the praise that, that belongs to God only. And be honest about who you are. Don't falsely misrepresent yourself to try to make yourself look like you're some great grandiose person in the eyes of the church. Humble yourself. Be true, be honest, and don't play games with God. Next, the question is 1 John chapter 5. Uh, and I'm actually going to read that passage because it's, uh, it's kind of an interesting passage. 
Uh, verses 16 through 17 of 1 John chapter 5. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. Look, I know that's, uh, I've been studying the Bible 20 years, and uh, while I think I understand this passage, just the way it's worded is kind of weird, and uh, I could definitely see why um, the person that wrote into us with this question would want to know what is going on here. Um, and so this sin that leads to death. Uh, that is the first question. And I wanted to bring up Ananias and Sapphira because theirs is a New Testament example of sin that led to death. Yeah. And in this scenario, it is a swift death. And um, I believe that sins that are punishable by death is what we're being talking is what's being talked about here in first John chapter 5 and what we're told is is that we shouldn't pray about those now why not well um, and let me reword that if you actually look at the scripture it doesn't say that we shouldn't pray about those things it says that um, John says I'm not telling you to pray about those what I'm telling you to pray about is the restoration of of brothers and sisters who have found themselves in sin, yet the sin wasn't so wicked that it deserved death. John said, I'm telling you to pray for those brothers and sisters, and I'm telling you to try to restore them. He's not necessarily saying, don't pray for the wicked stuff that like Ananias and Sapphira were guilty of. He's just saying, that's not what I'm talking about in this context. So that said, you know, why not? Um, and I, I think there's a real need as we've already been discussing, it's kind of odd how this topic keeps coming back up. There's a need for the fear of God. And occasionally it's important that God makes it absolutely clear there are things within his kingdom, within his family, that he expects from his followers that there is just no room for error on. And when we choose to do something that is so wicked that really the, the, the punishment is death, that we need to trust God with how he chooses to handle that and really praying otherwise is not to understand the will of God. There were times, even in the book of Jeremiah, when you go back and you see there was a time God said, enough's enough. These people have had enough chances. They've been warned. They are so wicked. They don't care about me. They don't care about my law. And he said to Jeremiah, don't you even think about praying for them. I've made up my mind. Punishment is going to come. That is the right response here. Don't pray for mercy because it's not coming. There is a time and place that that happens when God's threshold, if you will, when his patience is done. It is The line has been crossed. And what we're being told here in 1 John chapter 5 is that when that's happened, you probably shouldn't be praying about that. Just let God deal with it. I want to also emphasize the focus, though, of this passage, 1 John chapter 5, the focus isn't what we shouldn't be praying about. The focus is what we should be praying for. And that is the restoration of our brothers and sisters who find themselves in sin. We need to be praying for them, praying for restoration. Final thing I want to say, just kind of to sum all this up, is that when we look at these New Testament passages, and by the way, there are a whole lot more we see that God is the same God yesterday, today, and forever, and that sin is a serious thing in the mm -hmm. eyes of God. 
that this um, cheap grace that has gone out for so many decades, especially in this country, that you can live like a sinner, be a wicked person, con- continually sin as a way of life, and somehow God's grace is just going to sweep that under the carpet because Jesus died for you. We see that as garbage. It's not true. And that grace, the love of God and the grace of God is meant to change us. It's not meant to allow us to continue in our wickedness and think we're going to be okay. I think it was the great Charles Spurgeon that said this basic statement, that a grace that isn't powerful enough to change you certainly isn't powerful enough to save your soul from hell either. And the grace of God, it does both. Not only does it save us, it changes us. It transforms us. It turns us away from our sins. And when that has not happened, uh, we should have no comfort that uh, we are uh, safe, that we are saved. We need to turn from our wicked ways and we need to follow God. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And we see that even in the New Testament, God expects that of his followers that we follow him and that there is a sincere danger of judgment, even death, if we don't follow him in sincerity and in truth. So let the warning be heeded. Hopefully that answers some of your questions. What about you? Did that answer yeah, it? I answered it. No yeah. follow-up on any of that? No follow-up. I did hear a word you used that was really large in the first part, and now I'm not remembering what it was. It was like, overcomer together with something else and it was just this large word i never heard i'd have to go back and listen to it i'm not sure what the word was something us overcome us or something i don't know it was a word i never heard so anyway that was good thank you to our listeners for sending in the questions and remember if you have a question that you'd like answered on the show you can send those to joplinandrea.com and we would be happy to um, answer your questions so all right all right it's time to talk about the summer we're going to look back over the summer I just got done talking, so Andrea, we're going to start off with you. What are your thoughts when you look back at the craziest summer of our lives? Maybe the craziest summer in American history. Yeah. We're starting school. Uh, For us, it started at spring break. We were on spring break. We found out our kids are done with school, and for the most part, summer is starting then. Only we were on a vacation, and we had, well, actually, we're getting ready to leave for a vacation that got canceled. So then we moved it, and then it got canceled again. So it was yes. kind of like this. It's been a while. It's been a long wow. summer. So yeah. tell us, what are your thoughts looking back? Uh, what have we learned? What are your thoughts looking forward? Well, first of all, I feel like it should have a really fun name. Like, the summer should be named. Like, it should go in history as, you know, like, something miraculous. I don't know what it needs to no, be. No, it was but... horrible. It's the worst summer ever. It can't have a fun name. Like, the summer of death. The oh. summer of rioting and burning and looting. Well, Okay. I mean, Summer if you were no a kid, vacations. yeah, it just kind of went on and on and on. But I mean, I feel like it needs to have like a, a fun name. memorable name. Let's okay. switch it from memorable. fun to memorable. There you go. I'm good with memorable. Yeah. So, uh, so we'll be thinking about that. You guys be thinking yeah, about the memorable how we can name, name the summer. for the summer of 2020. But yeah, it's, right, it's, it's been a wild ride. Um, you know, we did. We we went on a quick little vacation once we found out. And then all of a sudden it was like, er, you're going to cut that short and come home less than, you know, 48 hours early. And Anyway, um, yeah, it's been really crazy. It's been long. Um, there hasn't been a whole lot that you can do. And so it's kind of like um, digging in the 
corners to figure out what extra things you can do to kind of like keep the kids entertained and um, not have all of us gain like a hundred pounds because we've just sat around and have nothing to do. And so um, anyway, yeah, it's, it's been interesting. I had to talk with our kids because we have not got school supplies yet because we just weren't really sure if school was going to happen. And um, I was asking a few other kids and they're like, no, we haven't got school supplies yet either. So it'll probably be an interesting start to see what kids have when they come to school. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really know. It, it was just a lot. <laughs> it's been a lot to process. Yeah, yeah, it's been, been a lot, lot. to process. I know for me, um, looking back on it, it's been, it's taken me months to process and I'm a thinker. I take time to really consider a matter and yeah. let it play out. And, you know, I don't just speak out of my emotions very often, if ever for that matter. Um, but looking back on it, I tell you, I'm convinced that our nation is in bad shape. Yeah. I don't trust the um, a lot of the information that we get in the news. Mm-hmm. I don't trust a lot of the information coming out from the people that are making decisions. And that's true on both sides of the aisle. Yeah. Um, strange things like us being told by the people we're supposed to trust our lives and our health with early on. Dr. Fauci, the CDC, in March... Um, that we shouldn't be wearing masks, that it was pointless to wear masks, that but we're still healthy people shouldn't wear masks. And then all of a sudden, boom, six weeks later, turns out the same people who told us that told us we have to wear masks and you're going to save lives if you wear masks. And so it's like, which it's not even which person do you believe? Mm-hmm. It's which time do you believe the same person? Do you believe what they said to start with? Do you believe what they said six weeks later? Yeah. And that's made it difficult for me. It's made, honestly, it's just, it's, I'm looking back on it. I've come to a place I don't trust a lot of the uh, people yeah. that are making choices. I don't trust what they tell us because they change their stories. Yeah. Um, I also think we're in bad shape when I look at, as a nation, when I look at um, the rioting and the looting and just a lot of the absolute nonsense that's happening in our country right now. And it's yeah. being praised. Um, just yesterday, you don't know this. I might even try to find it and put it up on the uh, screen here. If not, uh, Google it. But just yesterday, CNN ran a story about some of the latest rioting and looting, and it's it just it almost seems fake. But these this reporter is uh, standing on the you know standing and giving his report mm-hmm. in the background. Are cars that have been blown up? set on fire here buildings in here in the u.s buildings that are burning on fire absolute chaos people's personal property utterly destroyed and here's what the headline read mostly peaceful protests happening here well wow. it's propaganda mm-hmm. it's not truth it's not news yeah and um i see the um craziness going on and i see Rather than those that have the power to speak out against it, rather than those have the power to report on it honestly and truthfully, they're lying about what's happening. They're spinning it in a different direction. Yeah. And something sinister is going on. And it's 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 led me to believe we're at a turning point here in the U.S. I don't know what's going to happen, what's going to come. But I will tell you my view of our nation, my view of um, our media, my view of this world that we live in, is definitely different today Mm -hmm. as I have watched the response 
of those who are yeah. uh, controlling the narrative. It is different. I have a different view today than I did six months ago. And um, that's one thing I can tell you looking back on it. Yeah. And I am glad, I really am, that my role is to be a pastor through all of this and try to point people to Jesus. Yeah. Uh, that it's not my job. You know, we need politicians. We, I pray for them. And we need Christian voices to, to rise up. We need true American patriots to rise up and help regain control of this nation. Um, and man, that group of people, you, you've got my prayers and, and believe in you and we need you. I'm just grateful that my role in all of this is ultimately uh, to point people to Jesus, to remind us that this world's yeah. not our home. The Bible tells us things are going to wax worse. I do think that a lot of what we're seeing um, has, uh, without a question, a direct correlation to the chaos that needs to take place in this world for the Antichrist to step on the scene and say, hey, I'll bring peace to everybody. Yeah. Um, and so if you're listening, you're not right with God, you need to be. There is yes. nothing more important than knowing that you are saved, that you have been redeemed, that God has forgiven you, that you are God's, and that God is yours, and that you've got a heavenly home. And Amen. if that is not uh, the case, we plead with you to come to Jesus before it's too late. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's my thoughts. That's where I'm at. You know what? And with all of that said, I am still pumped about life. Yeah. And I'm thankful for my home, thankful for my wife, my children, thankful for the mission that's ahead of us. Yeah, and there's people that actually live in this type of stuff all, all the time. time. Yes. Yeah, we it's just, just don't know us it here it's in America. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. Yep. This is not new to, to the world scene. It's yep. new to us, yep. so but it's uh, not new to the world scene. The best attitude you can to make the best out of it because it's all about what we make of it. Amen. Yeah. All right, we've got a couple minutes here. In fact, our um, our uh, interviewees here are yeah. going to have to leave for a minute for cheer practice. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to finish with that. Let's move to the fun items. The first thing quickly, two minutes or less, let's talk about the effects of anesthesia. All Why right. in the world did you want this to be on the lineup today? Um, okay, so anesthesia. Because we've had two friends have surgery lately, and I've seen some what pretty epic videos <laughs> um pretty amazing videos of them after surgery and so it's just really made me think about anesthesia and so um i just thought why not talk about it because you never know what you're gonna get after anesthesia um we had two friends that got their wisdom teeth pulled is what it was and so they came out with some pretty fun comments yeah one of these in fact you guys might remember not too long ago we needed to get rid of one of our dogs and one of our friends took one of our dogs. Uh -huh. This dog is 25 pounds, um, probably 14 inches tall. Yeah. And he's got a new home. He's spoiled rotten over there. But um, our daughters were actually bringing this friend of ours back home after her surgery. Yeah. And she was being yeah. goofy and funny in the car. And, yeah, they were loving every minute of it. Um, she was being, yeah, she she was loopy. But she got to her house and this dog of our, hers now, Yeah, it's outside and she thinks there's a goat in her yard. Yeah. Um, and it's and just, so we just smiled and thought that was like the best thing ever. <laughs> and so... It's kind of too bad that we look can't, like a goat like, at all. Uh, no, it has no resemblance of a goat yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, people do funny things. And then things. the other I mean, one, um, she had surgery, and she thought they actually cut like cut her tongue out. Oh. And because uh, she's got all this blood coming out of her mouth, and and she's like, my tongue, they took my tongue, and they're like, no, it's not your tongue, and you're gonna be fine. And so anyway, it was just funny because I happened to get to see videos of both of these. Sorry, friends, but we're using you as our advantage today because it was just funny. It was like the funniest thing I, ever. I just and hope whatever happens, I love to stuff me, that like makes me if laugh I ever and have smile. To go and, under anesthesia, please oh, don't I'm recording record it. it. No. Yeah. Yeah. Please don't. I will just. I will just not get it done yeah and so then i kind of googled it to see like you know different effects and so it affects people differently and some people just kind of sleep through it and i think that's me all right like sleep hey we go grab our cheerleaders if our cheerleaders would come in um it is time to bring go get go get them i think babe um it is time to bring in our cheerleaders for the discussion of is cheerleading a sport? Now, I'm telling you folks, I feel like I have really been set up to be uh, the bad guy here. and But I have a conscience as well. I just got to be true to who I am. So uh, right. come on in. Come on, come on in, ladies. Right We've in got middle. a couple of uh, Derby High School cheerleaders here. You guys got practice actually in a few minutes. And pictures. Right? pictures. Yeah. And pictures. Okay. Yeah. Here, let's do something real quick. All right, here's your mic. Okay. Welcome. This is Hallie. For those of you that don't know, Hallie is actually Andrea and I's daughter, and this is her friend, Brennan. Yeah. Welcome so, to the show, ladies. Hanging out with us today. Um, our our second fun topic today was, is cheerleading a sport? Because Joplin and I kind of go back and forth. I cheered when I was in high school, and I definitely say it's a sport, and I think he has a different opinion, so we're going to get theirs. Yeah, let's get there first before mine. Okay. So I'm trying to learn. Let's start with Brendan. In your opinion, is cheerleading a sport? Yeah. And so define like in as the sport. And how, how old are you, Brendan? Fifteen. Fifteen. What other sports have you done in your life? Just cheer. Just cheer. Okay. But let's All elaborate, right. Brendan. What other kind of cheer have you did besides just high school? Competitive. Mm, Competitive see? cheer. So we've got two different takes on cheer here. Okay. And let's see. Do you think that both of them are a sport? Um, I think competitive is more of a sport, but school cheer is also a sport because you condition and do the same things. Awesome. Right. Did you hear that? Okay. Right. Just making sure. Um, Hallie, what about you? Do you feel like cheerleading is a sport? I definitely agree with Brillian. I do think that competitive cheer is more of a sport. Because there's a lot more work that goes into it, but I do think high school cheer could be considered a sport too because of the conditioning and practice that goes into it. Okay, all right. So, and Andrea, your your take? What do you think? Well, Tell I just want to be fair. Be I actually googled it. I used Google to see what the definition of a sport was and if cheer is a sport. And it says on there that as a sport is where you exert yourself and where you have to have skill and competition. And so, therefore, cheerleading does fall under that category. Okay. Because it has all three of those. So let's talk about competition here for a moment. Let's just say um, we go to the first derby home game. Do you know who we're playing? Has it been determined yet? Uh, they're playing Mill Valley next Friday. Okay, so we play Mill Valley next Friday, and we're going to go. We're going to watch this game. How do we know which cheerleaders won that night? You know, who uh, do you guys tie every game? Is everybody always yeah. a winner? Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, you don't compete in high school cheer. At football games, you're there to cheer on your team. 
Okay. In competitive cheer, you actually compete against different competitive teams. And you can win? You can actually go to, like, worlds for cheer. Can you win? When they go to camp, they actually compete with other cheerleading squads. Yes. Is this true? In competitive cheer, you can actually win big prizes and stuff. Big prizes. Big prizes. (laughs) (laughs) We got a winner right here. it's, It's kind of, sometimes it's like a sport. But other times it's not, right? Or is it always a sport? It's always a sport. It's always a sport. It's always a sport. Yes. So um, this is one of those rare times when you feel like to be politically correct, you have to just agree. No. You don't? It is a no? sport. You just need to change sport. your mind. Well, I just don't know, folks. It just doesn't, like, you have to have a winner and a loser in a sport. And if there's no way to win or lose, hey, if it's golf not can really be a, a sport. sport. But somebody wins or loses in golf every there single is. time. No. There's always one winner. You get 60 people out on the course, you know how many people win? One. This is true. Is no. True. This is true. Now, listen, though, on a football, the whole team wins, not just one. But only one team wins. That's my point. That's why I'm but saying. But they're part of the team. Okay. So we win. If I am win. willing to concede the cheerleading is a sport, but under one condition. If my football team wins, then our cheer team wins. Uh, I don't know about that. I, I need what if what I need, I just need a couple of ways to score, you know, our cheerleading squad versus the other cheerleading squad. Like, you know, who does the most stunts, uh, who does maybe the most backflips or handsprings or cartwheels or cheers the loudest or something. There needs to be a decibel reader that, you know, you can tell this squad is really cheering loud versus the other one. Uh, maybe some type of uh, way of measuring which squad gets the crowd most involved, which I will tell you because I've been to derby football games. Derby cheerleaders would win every time if that was the measuring stick. But I just think there has to be a winner and a loser for something to be a true sport. And um, I just I just have a hard mm-hmm. time getting there with cheerleaders. This is another one that we just need a poll hey, with. I understand that. I understand you get it? That. You're good with that? Yeah. Okay. Awesome, but it's a sport. But if we take a vote right now, I lose, don't I? Let's take an official vote just to settle this one because that was what we said. We were going to settle it today, uh-huh. and I don't know if there's any other like way this. to do this that. And good. I feel like Let's the odds are stacked against me. This isn't fair. But all in favor of cheerleading being a sport, raise your hand. Uh, looks like I'm outvoted three to one. We settled this final once and for all. Well, hey, you sportsters, go have a great practice today at three o'clock, and we can't wait to see you compete and beat the Mill Valley cheerleaders at the first game of the year. That's right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Is that all we got for the show? That's all we got. You guys have a good weekend. God bless you all. Have a good weekend.